Coming up on Up in the Blue Seats, we break down the Rangers' last three games with longtime New York Post Rangers beat writer Larry Brooks. We take a trip down memory lane in Ron Remembers with my old Rangers teammate and good friend Nick Fotil. We also are joined by diehard Ranger fan and longtime ESPN host Linda Cohn. All that and more next on Up in the Blue Seats with the New York Post. Ladies and gentlemen, we ask that you direct your attention to Center Ice for a special presentation. Welcome to Up in the Blue Seats podcast, a New York Rangers podcast with the New York Post. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure to rate the show five stars and write a nice review. The Post Rangers beat writer Larry Brooks joins the show today, along with a diehard Rangers fan and longtime ESPN host Linda Cohn and a teammate of Ron Duguay's Nick Fotiu. A stacked episode of Up in the Blue Seats today. But now, here's your host of Up in the Blue Seats, former Ranger great, Number 10 on his jersey, but he's number one in our hearts, Ron Duguay. Happy holidays to everyone. For the Rangers, before the Christmas break, they wanted to win. It didn't happen. In fact, they were embarrassed in Philadelphia. It was a game that uh, they went into it after playing so well at home, beating Anaheim 5-1. to one. They had some good momentum going into Philly. They looked really good until the third period. Some costly mistakes Cost them that game. It was a game that they wanted. Now they fall behind. And Kevin Hayes, former New York Rangers, well, he made his presence known in that game with two goals. And listening to Coach Quinn, he called it sellout on too much offense. But let's get into it now with the guy who's inside the Blue Shirts locker room. Welcome back with Rangers beat writer. From the New York Post, Larry Brooks now joins us. You can follow Larry on Twitter at NYP underscore Brooksy. Read his stories in the Post and at NewYorkPost.com. Larry, welcome. And I think uh, with what's in the news, everyone would love to have an update if you haven't on uh, Leah Anderson's story. There is no update right now, and, and there likely wouldn't be until at least uh, Saturday, I guess, because the trade freeze runs through Friday night at midnight. So there's nothing there. There is, there is nothing that can happen. I mean, I, I, Jeff Gorton, I guess is talking to general managers, but this is going to be a pretty tough one. I think, uh, I don't think Leah Sanderson had much trade value to begin with. Now he's walked out on a team right into, uh, you know, a day or two into the holiday freeze. So I'm, I'm not sure that the Rangers are going to be able to turn this one over very quickly. It's going to be a challenge. Maybe there's another team. Um, I mentioned the other day Nashville with uh, Eli Tolvanen, who is uh, another uh, first rounder from 2017, who hasn't quite had the career that or the start to the career that the Predators had envisioned. So maybe there's a team out there like Nashville that would be willing to trade a disappointing prospect for a disappointing prospect and can be done quickly. But I, I, I'm not so sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, speaking of disappointing. Got to look at the last game with the Rangers, actually the two of the last three games, and probably more importantly, the game was 
the most important game was in Philadelphia. The way the Rangers went in there with some really nice momentum after winning at home. They played well. And when hearing Coach Quinn, he says, in describing what happened more towards the third period, he says, sell out on too much offense. What do you think he meant by that? Well, I think when the Rangers get behind, when they're when they're trailing, they they do a lot of uh, uh, gambling, and that's what he meant by selling out on offense. They uh, they uh, don't stick to their structure. Of course, their structure had only produced one goal, so so maybe maybe they uh, you know maybe they were taking the intelligent route there. But no, I, you know they they tend to freelance when they're behind in games. They also tend to freelance when they're tied or ahead for the most part but that's one of the issues that he had um, with their third period just too many risks and uh, the risk reward uh, ratio not adding up in their favor Um, but I also think too that it is very very difficult to continually try and outscore teams at even strength and win games that way they're going to have to score some power play goals there you know they they played well enough last night uh, through 40 minutes to be ahead by a couple Yet they're you know they're ahead by one. Philly ties it with uh, under two seconds to go in the period. But had the Rangers scored a power play goal or sprinkled one in uh, at at some point, you know they'd have had more of an edge. And and it it is impossible to go through game after game after game being shut out on the power play and enjoying success. It's impossible. Yeah, when you look at their power play, they look like they're having a blast, and they're really good at it at the keep away. They're constantly moving the puck, and they look good. And it kind of translates into what they're doing often on a five-on-five. You'll see times where they'll just keep the puck away for a minute or two, so it looks good, but the result is not what we're looking for. They need to get pucks to the net. And I think my my issue with it is they don't feel comfortable shooting the puck on the net is because there's no one actually right in front of the net. Where Kreider does it at times – and Lemieux will do it at times, but to me, once they know that goaltender's eyes are taken away and he's going to struggle with having seen the puck, I think that at that, that point, they need to fire the puck a little more. Do you agree? Oh, I agree with you, and I and I think the puck needs to I, – I, I think they need to shoot the puck from the point more too. And, and listen, it's it's easy for me to say. I'm not, I'm not the one down there with, you know, four guys standing between me and the net, and if my shot gets blocked – then they're off on, on a on a two on one or a breakaway. So I understand it, but um, the, when the puck gets back to the point, that you've got to shoot the puck um, and get guys moving. And I think one of the things I, I I would like to see them go back to is Jacob Truba back on the on the point of the first power play. They've Tony D'Angelo is a talented guy. Adam Fox is a real talented guy. They both can run power plays. Um, obviously not not to great effect these last couple of weeks because the Rangers haven't scored one at all. Um, but Truba's first instinct is to shoot the puck. And with the coach talking incessantly about how you need to shoot the puck, shoot the puck, shoot the puck, I think maybe they put the, the guy back at the right point who shoots the puck, shoots the puck, shoots the puck. So I want to uh, concentrate on the one player. Every week I like to talk to you about one player. And the one player that's kind of standing out to me, and I think he's standing out to a lot of Ranger fans, he's become a fan favorite, and that's Brendan Lemieux. How would you assess his play from the time he arrived to New York to where he's at right now? I think when he got here last year, he he was just not in in, uh, good enough game shape. He hadn't played much in Winnipeg, um, and it took him – it's difficult to play your way into shape during a season, certainly during the last five or six weeks of the season. 
but you could you could see the ingredients that he brought. I mean, clearly, you know, plays with an edge, goes to the net, doesn't mind, doesn't mind taking the body, is in the middle of everything, um, and that's what you saw from the from the start last year. Now that he's uh, you know he, he trained well over the summer, came in in terrific shape. He can he can play 13, 14, 15 minutes, whatever he's going to get. He's um, he's a factor. I also have to say this that. Um, the way that the, that referees are officiating like Brendan Lemieux is a disgrace. I have, I've, the only time I've ever seen anything like it is when Sean Avery came back to the Rangers and his second time, anytime he did something, he got a penalty and referees ignored infractions against him. I mean, you would see Avery get speared and slashed and hacked and the refs would just turn their turn away and then basically say, Hey, you're, you're on your own. I'm paraphrasing. Um, and I see a lot of the same with Lemieux. Um, I don't get it. Um, I'm not sure whether he is, um, carrying baggage from 25 years ago from when his dad played. I don't know. <laughs> it seems, it seems a bit odd to me, but it also seems odd to me that he doesn't get a fair shake on the ice. I mean, I, you see it, you see when he gets into confrontations, he's the one that gets He's the one that goes to the box. He's the one that doesn't get the benefit of the doubt ever. Um, and I think that it's it's become a real problem. It's becoming difficult to put him on the ice. Uh, and it's something the Rangers need to take care of. It's something the Rangers need to take care of with the league. However, it's something the league needs to take care of on its own. I mean, it is It is undermining the integrity of the game when a player in the game doesn't get a fair shake from the officials. Yeah, I can see if you'd be chirping at the officials like some players have done in the back. You know, if you're chirping at a guy, the officials will get bitter and they'll find a way to get you. But he's not even doing that. He's just playing hard. And the, and I guess my, my thought on that is he's very entertaining. He's good for the game. You'd think that the NHL would recognize that, right? Let him play because it's, it's fun, right? So having said that, when you mentioned his dad, what do you think the upside is? is on Brendan when you think about his dad do you think that he could be a top six player like his dad I do I I, I think uh, I think he can be a top six player I'm not sure you know whether he quite has the hands or the discipline to be a top six player but I I, I think he's a candidate because I, he's pretty good around the net and if the Rangers wind up trading Chris Kreider um, they're going to need a net front guy on the power play. And I think the Brendan Lemieux is, is probably the closest um, uh, facsimile that the team has to Kreider in that role. Okay. Well, I have to end the show with that. We're going to talk Kreider next time. Thank you, Larry. Thanks, Dukes. Welcome back. It's Ron Duguay with the New York Post. And it's time for me to say and talk about Ron Remembers. And then in my Ron Remembers, I have so many stories that I like to tell, and a lot of them are funny. And I had to, uh, I want to share with you what it was like to be a New York Rangers in 1979, that team that went to the Stanley Cup Finals. I think one of the reasons we went to the Stanley Cup Finals, it wasn't just a skill on the ice, but it was the fact that we were like a band of brothers. We really got along. We had a lot of fun. And sometimes having fun meant uh, kind of, uh, a lot of pranksters, a lot of uh, kind of um, kind of messing with each other. And and the one thing that uh, we sort of had this code, whenever we were on the road, 
it was important for everyone to stick together, to be together, to go out. If someone decided, like the captain at the time was Phil Esposito, say, hey, listen, we're going to a certain bar, certain restaurant, we're all going. You had to be there. And the other code was, if you're out the bar uh, and when you went back to the hotel, back to the room, there was a time where you could not shut your door. You had to keep your door open, right? So it was kind of a welcome policy, open door policy until a certain time. But this one time, Nick Futillo and I, uh, we were out and we happened to be talking to a couple of young girls and we invited them back because we were going to go uh, have some popcorn, watch a movie. And But we got back to the hotel, we couldn't find them. And one of the doors were closed. And we figure out whose door is this? And we figured out it was Dave Maloney, Steve Vickers' door. The door's locked. We're, we're knocking on the door, no answer, nothing. We're thinking, but we can hear some. Nicky's got his ear to the door. He can hear there's someone inside. But they're not answering. Nikki and this room was at the end of the hall. And right up on the wall there at the end of the hall was this fire hose. You know, back then, the big fire hose, the big, thick fire hose. Nick says, I'll tell you what, I'm going to get him out of this room. What's your plan, Nick? He takes the fire hose and he shoves the nose under the door. He says, Ron, just hold it. Hold it? Yeah, just hold it there because I'm telling you, once I turn this thing on, it's going to explode. So I hold the hose under the door. And sure enough, turns on the hose. Well, the water pressure that came through that, all of a sudden, we can hear these girls started screaming. And it was so bad. It wet the whole room. And now Nikki and I, oh, my God, this was more than we can imagine. So we take off running. We go back to our room. And sure enough, about two hours later, I get a knock on the door. And it's Fergie. And it's Kojangi Talbot looking for us because he's trying to figure out who did this. Well, the short of it is, we ended up getting ourselves in a lot of trouble, but back then it was kind of a funny thing. But all this was because of my good friend, my roommate at the time, Nick Fotia, who was probably the biggest prankster on the team. And Nick, are you there? Yep, I'm here. Hi, buddy. So what do you remember of that night? Uh, it's just, you know, like you said, you know, it was a fun night. And, you know, um, it was always good to play jokes and have fun because there was so much pressure in the game and and uh we always kept the locker room loose and uh even on the bus or on the plane you know everybody had fun i don't know if they have fun today like we did but uh you know if it, it wasn't the fire hose it was putting you know shaving cream in the Bavarian donuts you know you walked in in the morning somebody grabbed it and you know we're putting uh hot stuff on the on the jock and guys would come in and smell their bags if they smelled any <laughs> you know, hot stuff, they wouldn't, you know, put it on. But we were always having fun. It was always a laugh, you know, no matter what. You know, especially heading into yeah. Philly when it was a lot of pressure, you know, and, and then we just had fun. Yeah. How about the time you put uh, baby uh, baby powder in the hair dryer? And I think it was John Ferguson, the one to use it, manager. Yeah, and, and I put it on there when, and he looked like a ghost, you know. So, you know, it was, it was fun. It's not only playing the game, you know, it, it was just, everybody had fun you know and going to the finals in 79 we had a lot of fun you know and and we played hard and and um you know that's what it was all about you know winning and and having fun yeah well you became a fan favorite because of your style of play and and you were really the policeman on our team you really took care of the guys and, and a lot of the guys to this day they always think of you and the fans think of you as a very likable guy that just took care of the week and I've always appreciated that. So what's it like for you now when you go to Madison Square Garden, you run into fans? Oh, it's great. You know, the people come up to me and, 
you know, said, hey, you, st- you should still be in play. And I go, are you crazy? But, you know, the, the pucks that I throw and they have the pucks. And, and it's, it, it's uh, enjoyable going to the game. Um, it's not Madison Square Garden to me. It's my cathedral because, you know, I slept outside Madison Square Garden when I was a kid and then playing for the New York Rangers. So it's, uh, it's my cathedral. It's great. So when you think of the toughness that we had back then and, and the toughness of the game, back then when you look at how the game's being played now specifically the new york rangers because i know you're paying attention to the new york rangers as i do do you think the new york rangers need a little more toughness um i wouldn't say you know uh well when i say toughness today is you got to have guys that willing to take the body you know and um I, I mean, if you, you could take the body legally and clean like you know i mean I, I play with no helmet on you play with no helmet on you know you can't you can't hit with, with your helmet because it's your head and we didn't wear any helmets so you had to learn how to hit with your shoulder right and um i think the new york rangers could use toughness i mean it's part of the game i'm not saying fight i mean bang and hit and you know play hard you know not and be mean not stupid mean smart mean so other than that what is your assessment of the team right now overall moving forward well, I watch I watch uh, the games, you know, all the time. I watched the game last night. You know, I thought they got the short end of the stick. I thought they should have won the hockey game, but they lost 5-1. Believe me, they played way better than Philly. But, you know, if they could clean up their own end a little more, you know, uh, make your goaltenders better. I think if they could put in some more face-off plays. And, you know, uh, when you take 4,800 4, face-offs a year on a low, this is a low, I think, you know, instead of dumping the puck in, Dump it on the goalie, like you know, and uh, and let him handle it. And either he's going to handle it or he's going to stop, and then you get your face-off place. Another way of creating, you know, more offense, goal score, um, you know, chances, goal scoring chances. You know, so uh, I like I like the team. They're fast. I think they're fast. They're uh, they're going they're improving all the time, um, and I think plays make players better. Okay, because I know you've coached for a while, and a lot of people don't know this. You are a really good coach because you're very technical. You like the specialty stuff. You like the plays. You like the power play and PK and all of that. When you assess Coach Quinn, what would you, if you had something to say to him, what would you share with him with what you're seeing? Well, what I see was that I think I would I would create more face-off plays for him. I would uh, on D zone coverage. I think I could make the D zone coverage when you when you have 17 shutouts in a year and you're plus. 320 in American Hockey League, uh, you know, and it's not me. It's the style that I was taught by, uh, you know, shutting down the Edmonton Oilers, you know, when I went up to Calgary. You know, we we went 8-1 and um, an eight-game uh, stretch. We went 6-1-1. One, and one. We shut the Edmonton Oilers down. So, uh, like, I incorporated that into teaching, my, the, you know, for years, what we had the best goals against, you know. So uh, that's one thing. I mean, you got two good goalies. You could make your goaltenders better. How do you make your goaltenders better? With, you know, more better D-zone coverage, you know, and that's – and then the offense, you know, you, you use your plays. You know, that's that's the whole thing. You know, I think he's doing a good job anyway. Yeah, well, I Nick, I, I, I've always appreciated you, and, and you and I can sit and talk hockey all the time, the X and O's. Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, uh, Happy New Year's to you. <laughs> all right, same here. Ron, thanks a lot. Thank you very much. Welcome back. It's Ron Duguay, 
And I have a friend of mine that I've known for a long time, Linda Cohen, anchors at ESPN Sports Center. And we've known each other. It goes back to not just the friendship off the ice, but actually friendship on the ice. Linda and I actually played hockey at the same time. And for, for those of you who don't know, she has great, she has, she loves hockey. She's got a great passion for hockey, but she's actually a goaltender. And why she'd want to play a goaltender, I, I don't quite know. But the, the one thing I know about Linda and everyone says about Linda is that every time we see her, she's so happy. She's got the big smile. And when you refer to Linda, she's so passionate about your work. And uh, so, Larry, uh, so when I talk to Larry Brooks before, we talk about stuff about the Rangers. But with you, I just want to talk about general things. Uh, because the one thing I know is that you're from New York, but I didn't realize you're actually from Long Island. Yeah, and uh, it's good to be on with you, Dukes. Uh, it's, it's just great to hear your voice and um, all that. And I'm glad that you are hosting this amazing podcast. I think it's fabulous and more people should definitely listen to it if they don't already. Tell your friends. But, um, yeah, you know, listen, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm still a Ranger fan. Um, love it. I mean, I'm just one of those people and people that know me like you know this. Like when you're loyal, you're loyal. I think maybe it's the Scorpio in me. I think Scorpios are loyal and they don't take a lot to cut the cord. And I can never cut the cord, you know, no matter who's wearing those, you know, sweaters. Um, It's all about the player. Um, And, you know, I still root for them by far. But, um, yeah, I mean, I forgot your question because I was so interested in what's going on with the Rangers. So what was the question? Well, there's no question. I was just, listen, I was just introducing you and I've got so much that I, I would like to say, but the one thing you say, uh, you're, you know, a passionate Ranger fan, you were not an Islander fan growing up. In, no, that's, uh, on oh the yeah, Island? that's the story. Oh, that's a great point. Okay. So full disclosure, uh, first of all, my dad was a huge, huge, huge Ranger fan. And that's where I learned, uh, to curse out loud actually from my dad. Um, and, uh, many times growing up, it was recording the Rangers. Uh, but then when they would win, it would be so joyous and unexpected at that time. And the point is, um, I really bonded with my dad over the Rangers and of course also with the football giants, but getting back to why I'm a Ranger fan, it's really because of him. I started though out when I first loved hockey and discovered it. It was hard to ignore the Islanders, even before, you know, I'm dating myself, but even before they won their fourth straight Stanley Cup, obviously the Long Long Island knew they existed and it was an amazing franchise and organization. Um, But the first hockey game I ever listened to, because back in the day, like early, I think Islanders started in 72, 73, if I recall, um, that first year I listened to them on the radio because there was no, like, I couldn't see them. You know, I lived on Long Island, but I was an hour away from the Nassau Coliseum. And um, that was really the first, you know, that's how I got into hockey. I mean, listening on the radio. How about that? Um, And that kind of says a lot when you think about my career and everything, because you really get to learn the game, um, you know, by just listening. You really have to listen and pay attention um, to know what's going on. So, but then, you know, that year, I think it was 73-74, season you know as just a little kid I my dad was like oh you know the Alders cares you know they're not making the playoffs and he was watching the Rangers and they were in the playoffs and then I started watching with him and I'm like oh my god because then you know we got cable tv and all that and MSG I think was born and back at that those days and long story short um I was like oh my god this brand of hockey is exciting it's playoff hockey 
And then I was a Ranger fan ever since. And, and in fact, I remember babysitting, one of my first babysitting jobs, I was watching the Rangers play the Islanders in that best of three opening round playoff series. I think it was 1975, Duke. And it broke my heart when the Islanders upset the Rangers on that uh, J.P. Parisi overtime goal. But that's also when I fell in love with Eddie Chalkerman because he was my first favorite New York Ranger. And what he did in the net and out of the net and how he battled and how he handled the puck for a goalie. And he was such a leader and a great New York Ranger. Um, I wanted to be a goalie. And so, you know, the rest is history. I can tell you how, you know, I realized I actually had pretty good uh, eye-hand coordination for a girl that was nearsighted growing up. So how about that? Yeah, so moving forward to 77, 78, 79, the New York Rangers, is there, was there any one player that kind of caught your eye? Oh, well, it was you and your flow. Come on. <laughs> you were born to be a Ranger. And, of course, the fans just gravitated toward you. Um, and just because you, you were so fast, you know, that's the thing, you know, back then, back in the day, and I don't have to tell you, uh, it wasn't the game, it wasn't close to the game it is today, where, you know, you have to have legs, you have to be quick to be successful, um, you know, if you want to make it in this NHL league now in today's NHL, but, you know, back then you just stood out by a mile because you were just so fast on those skates. You were exciting. Well, I embraced it. I embraced being a New York Ranger, playing Madison Square Garden, playing in the NHL. I understand. I understood the entertainment side of the game. And when I showed up in New York, I just lit up. And uh, when you look at the Ranger team now, is there one player that you kind of favor over another? Well, I'm telling you, I love, listen, it's an easy answer, right? I mean, I love watching Artemi Panarin. Uh, talk about money well spent. Uh, he's been everything and more. For the New York Rangers, not only on the ice, but off his leadership, uh, his smarts on the ice. You barely see him make a, you know, defensive mistake. I think the other day he turned the puck over. I hadn't seen that all year. You just don't see it from him. Uh, he's the kind of guy you want to buy his jersey. Uh, so, uh, and he has a good number too. So, um, you know, he is, he, he's the one that's worth the price of admission for sure. And, um, you know, I think I love the way this team battles. You know, they just need guys that can put the puck in the net other than Zibanejad and uh, Panarin. And once they figure that part out and know how to finish, because they have a lot of guys like you do, you know, like the guys that work hard in the corners and battle, you know, the Stroms, the Howdens, those guys I love. Those were great deals made, um, you know, when push came to shove for Jeff Gordon and things the way they worked out. Those are the kind of guys you need. But I think if there's, a, you know, if the Rangers, when you look at them and just, you know, who am I, but on the outside looking in at this point, but, you know, they could use a, you know, they could use a workhorse on the back line to help out Brady Shea. You know, Mark Stahl's great, but, you know, he's on the tail end, obviously, of his career, one of the core groups. And they, they could use a guy with a big shot on the power play. And the power play is, uh, sadly, lately, not great, and I think that's cost them a few games uh, in uh, recently. So let's talk about your show in the crease, uh, which I've watched. I've watched the the one show I really like was Ovechkin. Um, you, it looks like you're really enjoying it. If you could interview one player today, who would that be? A player from the past that you have not interviewed? You know what? I've interviewed Gretzky before, so I'm, you know people always say, "Oh, why don't you pick Wayne Gretzky?" So, you know, I've interviewed him before, so and he's amazing, and he's such a gentleman. That's a great question. How about Eddie Jackman? Yeah, you know, I've talked to Eddie uh, personally, like without a camera, without a mic. And, uh, 
you know, he's amazing. Um, and, uh, and we talked about the big moments in his life and that night in 1975 when, you know, the Rangers did an awful thing and sold him for $30,000 to the Detroit Red Wings and him coming back the very next night and how the fans greeted him and there were tears in his eyes. And we spoke about that. Um, but I mean, there are so many kind of, I'm fortunate, you know, Dukes, and you know this too, and what you do and being a New York Ranger and being part of that amazing alumni, you come across so many of these guys, even before your time, you've come across great, you know, great players. I enjoyed when I talked and I had talks with Phil Esposito. I love this guy. You know, I love this. So, you know, I'm sure you have stories as well, <laughs> but you know, it, you know, he was just a joy to talk with. So, you know, I don't think I could single out one guy really that who I haven't uh, come across. Um, but hockey players are the best because you don't need a camera and a microphone in front of them for them to be real. And uh, the more I meet so many of them from every decade, the more it confirms that statement. Yeah. Speaking of hockey players that are great and fun, what's your relationship like with Barry Melrose? Because it looks like you have a lot of fun, good chemistry chemistry between the two of you yeah thanks for saying that yeah barry's part of in the crease um uh when you know at times sometimes he's not there and then i am a solo act and it's a highlight driven show but barry's the best you know i've known him for several years and it, we, i think it's mutual respect plus he you know he takes it seriously he takes the game seriously but he's not like mr x's and o's he knows how to have fun you know kind of like you ron i mean you talk about how you you know, you, you were always conscious of the entertainment aspect, uh, no matter what stage you're on, right? Whether it's on the ice or now in your broadcasting career the last several years. And you get that. Well, that's how Barry's been for years. I mean, yeah, um, he'll make fun of himself. He's real. And that's the kind of stuff that we connect with because that's exactly, I feel, how I am, where I'm, I'm the first to make fun of myself um, in every way. I don't take anything too seriously. But we're both super fans of the game, super, super fans of the game. And, that, and that's what the connection is. So with all that you've done, is there anything in the future that you think that you aspire to do that you haven't done that you've wanted to do? How about having a podcast? Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> that would be great. No, I'm not. You know, something like that, somewhere I can have a real voice or my own radio show. That's something that I would really like. And who knows down the road, that's quite possible that, you know, that's something I'm looking to do um, because, you know, uh, who doesn't love to talk? And I do have opinions and that's probably have gotten me into trouble a lot, Ron, because I'm so opinionated and I am a fan first. And sometimes um, a lot of times there's no filter. And um, that's a problem with some organizations. Uh, thank goodness uh, working at ESPN for now going on like I'm on 27 years now. I, um, you know, my role as a host, you know, you have to watch yourself, but, you know, they do give you a little leeway. And, uh, but if I was an analyst where I have to speak my mind, who knows if I'd still be working there, you know? So I think that takes, and then you know what that's like serving as a, an analyst, especially when you're working for an organization, you know, it's, you know, I thought, uh, you know, I, that's why I thought one of the things. Can I pump your tires even more here, Ron? Go, go for um, it. I, what I loved about watching you on MSG Network is that you did speak your mind. And if it did kind of, you know, irritate some regarding the team, coaches, 
management. It's, you're just saying what you saw. That's what they pay you to do. And I loved it. And I wasn't the only Ranger fan who thought so. And um, what we don't like is vanilla. And you na- never gave us vanilla. And that's what, you know, that's what makes you great. And that's what I feel that um, that's kind of like the game plan and the strategy I use because that's how I, that's, that's real. That's me. Um, so I think that is something that fans, and that's who we're talking to primarily, care about. And that connects you to the fan even more. Well, I really appreciate that because that's kind of how I feel about uh, how I want to do my work. And I have one suggestion before I have to say bye, is that if you're going to do a podcast, you know who needs your help out there? That's women's hockey. Yeah. And because uh, it's not where it should be. I don't think I don't believe it's getting the support that it needs. So if you're going to do a podcast, I would love for you to spend some time on trying to promote hockey, women's hockey, and seeing if the NHL will get behind them. Because for me, I've always enjoyed watching them, especially the Olympics. And they're just yeah. not there. Uh, I know I have a, a friendship with Amanda Kessels, and a lot yeah. of them want to play, and they want an even playing field, and they're just not getting it. So if you're going to do a podcast, I highly recommend that you can spend some time there because you are who you are. So before we say goodbye, I know you're on social media. Where can we find your social media? Yeah, thanks, Ron. It's uh, at Linda Cohn, that's C-O-H-N. And uh, on Instagram, on Twitter are the two uh, I look at the most. So it's at Linda Cohn. Uh, the other thing, great point about women's hockey. Uh, those women are so fun to watch and they do need support. And I would welcome that challenge. And honestly, I mean, you know, um, you, you know, if you can connect me, I mean, I follow all those, the superstar women um, uh, on Twitter and uh, some on Instagram. And I would love to like, uh, you know, get behind that and figure out a way to have a podcast to do just that. I bet you we can get sponsors as well. So if you come across Amanda and talk to her, tell her I'm interested for sure. Let's figure it out. Okay. We'll stay in touch. Thank you, Linda. Okay, anytime, Ron. Good luck. Ladies and gentlemen, we ask that you direct your attention to Center Ice for a special presentation. That's a wrap for Episode 4 of Up in the Blue Seats. Thanks to our producer, Jake Brown, for making it happen. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast and follow me on Twitter at Ron Duguay 10. Thanks for listening to the show and all the support so far. Have a happy new year. See you all next Thursday.